Welcome back to Pettisville Missionary Church. This week, we continue our talk on what it means to have hope in the darkest times. Well, thank you, worship team, for leading us. Uh, truly, what a joy just to be in God's presence and to be get together as a body of Christ, uh, giving our praises to Him. Thank you again, team. All right, kids, uh, you may take off to Rooted. Rooted is our children's ministry here at Pettisville. Uh, just wanting kids to be rooted in the Word of God and in the centrality of Christ. So, kids, thank you for being here this morning. And elementary through grade four, make your way to the right. You can see Brianne Roth. And preschoolers, make your way to the left, and you can see Stephanie Sly. If you would please open your Bibles to Psalm, Psalm 51. We're going to jump to Daniel chapter 4, but right now I want to start in Psalm. We're in a series I've titled Hope in the Darkness. And as I think of the times in which we live, as I think of the darkness around us, I really can't think of a greater hope than the Spirit of God coming down on His people in a powerful way, and for God's Spirit of revival to break out in our communities and in our state and in our nation. And when I talk about revival, I'm not talking about a hokey-pokey weird revival where it's just utter chaos and you don't know what's, uh, what's up, what's down. What I'm talking about is a revival that truly is birthed by the Holy Spirit, revival that is real, genuine, authentic, revival that is marked by humility, repentance, and an incredible hunger for the living God. I want to say right here at the beginning of my message that it will be very different than what I normally do. It will be more testimonial than it will be expository. If you've been following the news headlines, you have probably heard that there are some really incredible things happening at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. A very special movement of God, an outpouring of God's Spirit. Gina and I, we had the opportunity to go down to Asbury on Friday night and Saturday. We were able to see, taste, experience what God is doing. So this morning I would like to share some observations of my time there. I also want to share some scriptures related to this theme of renewal and revival. But then the highlight will be several PMC college students sharing personal testimonies of what God did in their heart during their time at Asbury. I literally have a thousand thoughts running through my mind right now. 
I am incredibly excited. I'm also a bit physically exhausted. There's so much I want to say, not enough time. So I just pray and ask God's Spirit to give me clarity in what I need to share with you this morning. So Holy Spirit, be present, speak through me, take my thoughts, what's on my heart, Holy Spirit, put words to it to may your breath flow across this space, allowing us to hear clearly from you. I pray this in your name, amen. I want to start with God's Word. God's Word needs to be the foundation of anything I say. And in Psalm 51, King David is seeking God for renewal. He knows he needs to get back into a right relationship with his heavenly Father. This psalm was written by David following his sexual sin, following his sin of murder, following the confrontation of the prophet Nathan, where David truly came unbroken and recognized that he had sinned against God, and they needed to make things right through repentance and confession. And in that psalm, David cries out for a renewing of his spirit, for his heart to come alive with the living God. Look at verses 10 through 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. There are times in our life when we need renewal and revival. We need that nudge of God's Spirit to to draw close to the Father. Maybe we've gone through a very hard, painful, difficult season, and, and we feel distant from God, and we need His Spirit to revive our heart and to bring us back into that close, intimate relationship with Him. Maybe we've kind of unknowingly made a subtle shift in priorities in our life. And while we say God is first place, our timesheets at work or our financial records or the amount of screen time that we have logged in on our phones proves that Jesus isn't in first place. Maybe we're holding on to a secret sin. We know it's wrong. We just can't seem to let it go. Well, the Word of God tells us that the Spirit of God is ready to revive, ready to bring renewal to our hearts 
Jesus is so ready to extend grace and mercy. He's so ready to remove the guilt and the shame. He's ready to slash through the lies of the enemy. He's ready to take the brokenness of your life and redeem it. He's ready to take the wounds and to bring healing and restoration. That is the God we serve. All of us, from time to time, we need revival. I need it. You need it. And God is ready to do His part if we are willing to do our part. There are times in Scripture when God's Spirit comes in supernatural ways, bringing revival. The people of Israel experienced times of revival. Even a very pagan city, the city of Nineveh, upon the reluctant prophet Jonah preaching a message of repentance, God brings revival into that city. In the New Testament, on the day of Pentecost, Simon Peter, an ordinary common man, a fisherman, no public speaking experience or training whatsoever, yet the Holy Spirit of God ignites his heart and he preaches the gospel and 3,000 come to faith and are born again. Throughout church history, there are examples of revival, whether it's a small pocket of revival in a remote African village, to revival in cities and even across the nation, like the Great Awakening in the United States in the 1730s. I'll be the first to admit, I don't know everything there is to know about revival. I feel God is teaching me. I feel I'm learning some important things, but I do not know it all. But one of the things that seems consistent to me is that revival is never the same. God cannot be put in a box. There's no magic formula for revival. God doesn't work in the same way, in, the same, in, in different locations or even in different time periods. How God worked in the 1700s is different than how He is working now in 2023. How God is working in the nation of China and moving among the church there is different than how He's working here among us in the United States. Even how God might choose to work here in Pettisville in Northwest Ohio could easily be very different than how He works in Columbus. This doesn't mean that God changes His nature or changes His attributes. God never changes. This doesn't mean either that He changes the message of the gospel 
The gospel is always faith alone through Christ alone because of the death of Christ on the cross, His substitutionary death on our behalf, and His glorious resurrection on the third day. The gospel never, never changes. But how God works among people, the methods can look very, very different. Revival is the work of God's Holy Spirit, not ours. Again, we're in a series in the Old Testament book of Daniel. I want to just touch quickly on this story so you can turn to Daniel 4. It's really an incredible story. Again, very unique in how God works in the life of one individual. Granted, a very influential person, but this is how God works in the life of one man. It's a story of repentance. It's a story of spiritual renewal. It might even be one of the most unique revival stories in all of Scripture. In Daniel 4, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He dreams of an incredible tree standing in the middle of the earth, and this tree reaches to the heavens. The tree is loaded with wonderful fruit. The birds of the air nest in the branches The land animals find rest under the shade of the tree. But then an angel comes from heaven and cuts down the tree, and only the stump of the tree remains. And Nebuchadnezzar is baffled by this dream. He has no clue to its meaning. So he goes to the one prophet in his kingdom who can give him the answer, and that is Daniel. Daniel asks God for the revelation of the dream, and God gives it to him, and Daniel is troubled by it. He has a working relationship with King Nebuchadnezzar. He doesn't want to see harm come to him. But as God reveals the dream, this is not looking good for King Nebuchadnezzar. He's very troubled. Daniel is troubled by it. In fact, he says to the king, King, I wish the meaning of this dream would be applied to your enemies. But I'm sorry to tell you, this dream is for you. And he goes on to tell him how the king will be brought low under God's hand of judgment. The king will not be destroyed, but for seven years he will eat the grass of the land. The dew of the heavens will be upon him. His hair will grow like feathers. His fingernails will grow like claws, like claws of an eagle. Until the king acknowledges that Jehovah is the one true God. 
when Daniel gives to the king the meaning of the dream, there is no record in Daniel 4 as to how the king responds to that. All we know is that 12 months later, the fulfillment of the dream happens. Again, the king could have been very humbled by what Daniel said. We don't know. But as pride often does, it it creeps into our life. It comes from those dark crevices within our heart, and all of a sudden it overcomes us. And this is what happens to Nebuchadnezzar because 12 months after Daniel reveals the dream, he's walking around his palace grounds, he's admiring his kingdom, and all of a sudden he goes into the self-glorification mode where he says, I have built this great empire. And immediately it happens. The fulfillment of the dream. Nebuchadnezzar is cast into the wilderness, again, eats grass like an Angus beef cattle. He eats, drinks water from the stream. The dew of heaven is on him for seven years. But then he comes to his senses. And he does, at the end of Daniel 4, give praise to the one true God. Notice verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. When it comes to revival, God has His part. Revival is birthed by the Holy Spirit, but we also have our part, and I believe one of the key components for us is humility. Coming to God with that posture of, you are great, you are good, you are mighty. And I am your child and your servant. Coming with confession of times when pride has come into our life. Coming to God and saying, I want more of you and less of me. Just like John the Baptist. Jesus must increase and I must decrease. That's humility and that is what's needed in revival. I'm going to shift gears and talk a little bit about what God's Spirit is doing at Asbury. It really is quite incredible. It is, I believe, truly a work of the Holy Spirit started a week and a half ago. It was on a Wednesday. What you would say, just a regular chapel service day. 
But God's Spirit came in a very supernatural way, and worship and prayer and confession and repentance and more worship, more prayer, it has just been ongoing now. The opportunity came early last week for Gina and I to go down to Asbury. We were praying about it. We would have loved to have gone somewhere in the middle of the week. It simply did not work out in scheduling. We just really, though, sensed in our heart that we needed to go. We, it was just, yes, something we wanted to, to see and experience, but there was also just that nudge. Because I can say with all transparency, there was a part of me that I didn't want to go. There's things you have to adjust in your schedule. It is a five-hour drive one way. I'm not in my 20s anymore. I kind of need to sleep at night. And I realized that actually windshield time would be equal to the time down there at Asbury. But again, I just cannot escape this nudging of God's Spirit to go. And I'm so, so thankful that Gina and I did. We arrived on the campus Friday night at about 11.30 p.m. The line leading into Hughes Auditorium was very long. I would estimate at least three to 400 people standing in line. We knew we probably couldn't get in that night, so we simply stood in the grass right in front of the auditorium where many others were, and, and we just worshiped. Just hearing the sound of the voices coming from that auditorium and just joining in and worshiping. In fact, singing one of the songs we sung this morning, We Fall Down, We Lay Our Crowns at the Feet of Jesus. What an incredible, sweet moment just to be there and be a part of all that was going on and a part of that worship. We ended up going into one of the overflow chapels where they were, you know, feeding the live stream so we, we could see what was going on, and, and that chapel was nearly full. And just quickly, some of my observations from my very, very short time there. First of all, just very simple worship. Very stripped down. No big bands, no lights, not even lyrics to the songs on a screen. A piano, a guitar, a cajon, some vocalists with microphones, and then students kind of as a choir in the back. Very familiar songs, and just a, a, a pure worship of Jesus. Also, Scripture reading was very much a part of what was going on. Again, just spontaneous reading of God's Word. No, you know, not, you know, not people giving their own you know, personal interpretation into those verses or giving exhortation, just 
the pure reading of the Word of God. And at the end, it was commonly said, this is the Word of God, and the congregation responded, and I believe it. It was beautiful. Prayer was interspersed. Also, what I love, just times of silence. Times when the facilitator would say, I simply want you to listen. There will be nothing going on. No music, nothing. Just quiet, being still, listening to the Spirit of God. I was also just very impressed with Asbury leadership. Just one quick testimony about that. You know, if you have been following the revival on social media, it has really gained not only national attention, but worldwide attention. And there have been celebrities that have flown in, and they have offered, you know, quote, their services. And Asbury leadership has said, you know, we we love you. Thank you for being here. But this isn't going to become a celebrity show. This is going to be student-led. Asbury students will be the ones leading. Other students too, not just from Asbury. But all the well-known names, if I would pitch them out there, you would recognize them because you hear them on the radio every day. I mean, how easy would it be? Chris Tomlin walks in through those doors, says, hey, Pastor Kent, I'm willing to lead a song. What do you think I would do? Am I going to turn Chris Tomlin down? Probably not. So hats off to Asbury leadership to say, we're going to keep this to Gen Z, college students, 18 to 25, this is for you and you're going to lead it. I need to stop talking because I've got students right here from Pettisville Missionary who have been on campus, who have been a part of it, and I want you to hear their testimony. So, come on up. Those of you that were a part of it, again, we have with us Josh Graber and C.J. Pierce, Michaela Graber, we have Sarah Beck, Elizabeth Beck. The Beck sisters actually attend Asbury, so they have been a part of it from day one, so just wonderful for them to be with us this morning and sharing their experiences. Again, um, just everyone come over here, yeah. We're a little more organized this time than first service, so also um, we had... uh, Weston Roofer with us first service. He wasn't able to be with us second service. Uh, so we have, though, these five uh, college students who, again, are just here to share their experiences and how God has been working in their heart and what revival means to them. So thank you so much. And we're just going to start with you, Sarah. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead. 
No, um, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Um, we're, we're, we're real. We're transparent here. It's all good. just can't cry without thinking about it. Um, um, so Liz and I go to Asbury, um, and we've been there this is our senior year, um, and we've been in leadership at the barn, and so we've kind of seen a lot of students and been able to kind of be a part of a lot of student life. Um, and we've been praying for the last year and a half, especially, um, just for the students. We have a lot of friends. Um, they go to Asbury, but they're not Christians. Um, and so um, after a while, we just kind of got tired of hearing about praying for revival. And, you know, it wasn't coming, and we didn't see our friends coming to Christ, and we didn't see um, fruit in their lives. Um, and when we heard about that chapel hadn't ended, and, and we were in chapel that day, um, you know, I had friends that came into class and was just telling our professors guys, we haven't stopped worshiping. Everyone's still in the chapel. I encourage you to cut, like, come out of classes and come join us. And um, I was just kind of, like, in disbelief and, like, this can't be real. Like, it's going to end in a couple hours. Um, and then later that night, um, it was still going on, and people were saying, keep coming, like, come back, come worship with us. And um, Liz and Liz had we had stuff to do at the barn and taking care of horses and stuff, and um, the opportunity just came. We we're like maybe we should go, so we took time beforehand to um, read and pray about it before we before we went, just for wisdom and discernment. Um, and we ended up going to the chapel. It was packed. The library was packed, um, and usually um, uh, professors and administrative. Um, people are usually gone by that point, so there's usually a lot of parking. So we ended up finding a place, um, and we went towards the chapel, and we just saw hands on the stained glass windows of people praying over the students, and as we as a whole, and campuses, and they just prayed. We went in there, and Liz and I have been going through a lot the last six months, um, and so once we stepped in there, like the first words the facilitator was talking about, they were just like, I just feel like we have to pray for healing in this specific area, and Liz and I just started bawling. Um, we were like, no way that they like named like specifically what we were struggling with. Um, and this lady came over and she was like, I feel like I just have to pray for you for this, for something specific, for this healing. And she prayed over us and we found, we just felt so much peace. And it, it, it just was amazing because we never thought that we would really find healing this fast, I guess, from, and not saying it's, we're completely healed, but um, just from everything that's happened. and being able to see some of my friends come to Christ that I honestly did not think would happen in my time at Asbury, um, which has just been really amazing to see them share and be so vulnerable and repent of that sin and ask others for discipleship. Um, has truly been amazing to be able to have conversations with those two other students. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm just kind of like going to piggyback off of kind of what she said. Um, as far as like when we went to chapel, like I kind of felt like there was going to be something different, but like I didn't know what. 
Um, there was nothing spectacular about the sermon. Sarah, Sarah and I talked, and his sermon the last week was actually, like, for me, it was a lot better, but, like, it hit the students that needed to be hit. And Which tells you it's not about the preacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... I don't know. I we went and there was no like true altar call. Like it wasn't like come do this now. Like he kind of jokingly said like, um, I mean he he was honest and he said like I'll pray for you after and he jokingly said I'll be here till one o'clock if you want me to. Um, little did we know. <laughs> um, and so, but I had gone to class about an hour after. I had to go get my coffee first and then I went to class and like I still saw students in there and I was like that's kind of strange. I don't know whatever. Um, but then I was sitting in class, and my class is close to the chapel, and all of a sudden I just heard people belting out of praise and worship, and I just got chills and shivers all throughout my body, and I was like, okay, something's happening. <laughs> um, and like Sarah said, we had to go to the barn, do stuff there, um, and we came back, and I was actually on my way back from the barn, and like Sarah said, the, the library parking lot was just chucked full, and I was like, there is no way, like, it is bare come six o'clock. And I circled around campus maybe 10 times, and I was actually on the phone with somebody, and I was like, man, I don't know if I want to go in. Like, I was, like, probably one of the biggest skeptics going into this. Um, and I was like, I just don't, I don't know. Um, and they told me, I was on the phone with someone, and they said, you know, the least you could do is go in and see, and if you don't feel like you should be there, then you can leave. Um, and so, like Sarah said, we went in, got prayed for, we got to pray for other people, and it was just really beautiful to be able to see um, the work of God in there. We walked in, felt peace, and there was literally no judgment anywhere. There were people sitting, there were people standing, there were people praying, there were people laying on the ground, there were people on their knees, there was like, literally, like, and you knew that any everybody in there was not going to judge you for it. There was no, like, they did this or whatever, like, there was none of that. Um, and so kind of to fast forward, I just want to share one. Um, there's been healing like crazy. You guys have probably seen on social media and stuff, but there's actually a girl um, who's in my class, and uh, she had shared this with me, and I feel like it's really good. Um, she had a spine curvature in her back um, that was causing pain for the past seven years of her life, um, back pain, hip pain, knee pain, whatever. Um, and so she was kind of a skeptic going into it as well. And she had gone with one of her friends, and they were just kind of praying, and she said, because I'm an emotional person, like, I just started crying, we were praying. Um, and the week before, she had told her boyfriend, she was like, dude, like, if I went crying to the altar, went on my knees, begged God to heal me, he wouldn't, because he just wouldn't. Um, and she and the girl with her started praying, and they were crying and so much that they had to sit down. And the moment she stood back up, she had no pain, and she said, I can't believe this. She touched her back, and her back was straight, and since then, she has had no pain, and I think that is, like, absolutely crazy. Um, and I was also talking, and this is the last thing I promise, <laughs> um, as far as, like, the students go, like, I didn't think there was going to be change. I didn't think there were going to be students to actually have changed hearts, and before, chapel was just like a thing that like we were forced to go to. We had to get those chapel credits, and once we did, nobody went to chapel. Um, there was no, like, when we went in, we praised Jesus, whatever. We couldn't, I couldn't feel like I could raise my hands and actually praise Jesus the way I wanted to. Um, and it wasn't until that first chapel after this had all started that, like, all, only students were in there, and it felt as though everyone from every place was there. Like, that's how loud just the students were, and I was like, this is insane. Like, God is actually changing lives right now. Thank you. So, I'm going to stand. I get antsy. So, uh, so if you don't know the town that the college is in, um, the, the town's only about 6,000 people, and the college itself is only about 1,500 less than that. 
12, okay. So yeah, it's a small town and a small college. So the fact that this is happening in a town that small and a college that small, that alone says a lot. It's not some big stadium in Chicago, LA. It's, it's a small town in the middle of Kentucky. So that, that alone, without anything else, says a lot. But uh, one, one thing that I noticed as I went was just like, PK kind of touched on this, just how genuine it was. Like I've seen a lot of stuff on social media kind of against it and whatnot. But actually going, like, it, w- it wasn't a show about how flawless someone's life was. And just because they found Jesus, that means they had the easiest life of all time. Like, people gave testimonies and just about sinful past that they had and even some sins that they had issue- issues with in the moment. And it was just, the whole thing was just to exalt God and give thanks to him and just show love to him. It, it wasn't about the students at all. It wasn't about... Again, like I said, the, the flawless lives, nothing to that. Um, to give an example, a couple of testimonies, one lady stood up. Um, she said, me, me and my husband have had a lot of issues in the past. I've been addicted to about any, any substance that you can imagine. And in fact, I just got out of jail a week ago. And she listed all of these things about basically how awful of a, of a life that she was living and how bad of a life that she had. And that all led up to the salvation that she was given and accepted. And a second testimony that was given was um, a guy stood up and talked about how him and his wife had wanted to have a baby and they had attempted to a decade plus and they just, they couldn't have one. It just wasn't in God's timing. And finally his wife was able to have one. And when she was able to have one, um, the baby actually died and it just, it completely killed him inside. And he used that testimony about that lowest lowest point in his life, and he talked about how God does the most in the lowest times in life and in the most difficult seasons. And, I mean, it was just so easy to tell and so genuine that it was, it was about us as humans on one level, all sinful beings giving thanks to God who has saved us and given us salvation. I just thought that was the coolest thing. And uh, we actually all sat in the same seats the same day, so these guys can back me up. They, uh, the one guy on stage stood up and said, anyone who lives outside of Kentucky, would you guys please put a hand up? And at least, I would say about nine out of 10 people put a hand up. So people not affiliated with the college at all, people not affiliated with the state of Kentucky at all, had been coming and just filling and packing this place, not to, not to exalt themselves and show themselves, but to give thanks to God. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, the guy beside me actually said he came up the last night and he lived all the way down in Texas and was going to like Texas A&M, I think he said. And... So just things like that, and the, the, the seats we had was actually up close to the stage, which was, which was kind of cool to see, because you could just see people that had been sitting in the balconies and sitting behind us uh, just walk up to the stage and just physically like get, get on the knees and just give thanks to God and just bow down to him and just give it completely all to him. And one lady, I don't even know if she lived in the United States, I, I don't know, but uh, she walked up at one point when... when the guy asked if anyone wanted to accept salvation. She walked up and just just fell down, and you could tell it was completely genuine. And it wasn't just you know a handshake, and she walked away. It was this guy opening up a Bible that she, that she was given, and him going step by step about um, how to go about sal- salvation and how to continue studying the Bible when she left and the next steps to do. And I just thought it was it was just honestly the most genuine thing that I've seen. Um, God was definitely in the building and definitely in the town and the college. And I'm, I'm so blessed that I was able to be able to witness it and 
just see all that God's doing, uh, not just in Kentucky and not just in the same people, the same age as us, but um, I'm excited to see what's going to continue out of this as they leave the college and leave Kentucky itself and take it back to the homes they live. So I, it, was, it was quite awesome. Um, so when Josh said that God was totally in the building, um, his presence was nearly tangible. Um, I'm kind of an emotional wreck this morning, too. Um, so I'm, I'm going to talk about a couple things. First thing, my favorite part, I loved it all, but my favorite part, I love to worship and to bell out songs at the top of my lungs and to dance around. And like if I could dance across the front here every morning through the aisles, I would. And... I could hear, and it wasn't just me, like what they said, like no matter what you do, um, praising God, like there's no judgment, you can be free to do whatever, and so like I loved being able to just like belt out songs and dance around, that was so fun for me. Um, the timing of this has been perfect for me. Um, so I had seen on social media uh, this whole thing at Asbury like coming out, and a lot of you know that recently um, I have experienced a broken engagement. Um, and that's been really difficult for me. And so I've been in a pretty deep valley. Um, it's not that I've like lost my faith or anything, but like I've questioned God a lot and his, um, his plan and my purpose in it. Um, so I was like, I had seen this Asbury thing, and I was like, what perfect timing to be able to go and just spend hours, like, praising God. And I knew I needed it, so I went down there. Um, so my personal revival that I guess I had um, were two different aspects. One, um, one guy, when they were talking about testimonies, one um, guy in high school went up and said he had gone through a tough breakup, and he said, sometimes God has to break your heart to save your soul. And though it wasn't God doing the heartbreak per se, um, the revival that like has been renewed in me and the fire that has been brought back out um, is one that I literally have never experienced in my life before. Um, part two is I've been praying every day since like my breakup that the joy of the Lord would be my strength. Um, and I haven't felt that at all. I remember I was singing, um, Gratitude by Brandon Lake on the treadmill the one day, <laughs> and I was sobbing, and like the end of the chorus says, um, I know it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah, and I sobbed, and I was like, I don't even have that, God, like, he knows my heart, he knows I'm gonna be honest, and like, I didn't. Um, so through this, with everything, like being renewed and revived in me, God has given me so much joy to the point where, like, there's no other place it came from except for God. Like, the, it's just, like, totally overwhelming. And, like, I could not wipe a smile off my face the whole time. And, like, on the way home, I was singing some of the same songs we sang in chapel. And I would, like, start laughing. And, like, for no reason other than being, like, filled with the joy of the Lord. And so going back to the whole, like, sometimes God has to break your heart to save your soul. Mine has been saved and renewed. And, um... It's all from God alone, and all glory goes to him for that. Amen. Amen. So I, first thing I'll say, um, none of us coordinated going down there. 
Um, so we all drove separate. Um, we could have saved a lot of money and gas uh, if we would have just shot a text message back and forth. But um, no, I've been saving that since first service. So I, I, needed, to, I needed to get it out there. But um, in all seriousness, um, I think we've covered a lot of, of the beauty of what's happening. Um, and I, and I, I hesitantly say what's happening in Kentucky. Um, but, like, and I'll, and I'll touch on this real quick, and then I, I've got some th a, a quick thought. Pastor Kent said I had more time this time, so. Um, uh, within reason. Within reason, yes, for sure. Um, first thing, um, there was this really cool moment, and I, um, I, um, I, I, we were sitting in the front, and relatively, we bounced around. I mean, I probably sat in 12 different seats in the, the you know, 12 total hours I was there, and um, I was sitting in the front, and all of a sudden, I, I see this group of individuals come to the front, um, and, and the, they're from um, uh, Southern Asia, and not, very little English spoken. They're, they're going to school at the University of Kentucky, and all of a sudden, they're, they're, just, they're just on the floor in, in, in the front of this auditorium, and I'm pretty confident they had no idea what words were being spoken, what was being said in this place, and all of a sudden I hear uh, is these people running around. They go, does anybody speak Hindi? Can you find somebody who speaks Hindi? And um, all of a sudden they find, I don't know where, I, I kind of focus back on the worship, and they've got somebody translating, and this group of Hindu people, and I've, I've done some work in that part of the world, and this group of Hindu people who didn't know what was being said, didn't know what was being preached, what was being sung. They just saw the beauty of Christ in a moment where the church gathered together in worship. And they said, this is better than all the hundreds of gods that we worship put together. And they, 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 they like, without words, came to Christ. And that, that's something beautiful. And I've, I've been in the church my whole life, and I've been to conferences and revivals and worship times and set in this, this church hundreds of Sundays and those moments where the church gathered together with things that I haven't seen. Um, and I don't know why. Um, but it was, there was beauty in that. And, and one of the things that I keep coming back to, and I drove all the way home yesterday and five hour drive and I'm sitting in my, in my car in my driveway and I'd ridden home with my brother and he had already left and gone off to whatever he was going to. And I was just sitting there thinking, it was like, what did I just experience? And the th I, I realized two things. One was that it was really simple. Pastor Kent touched on that a little bit. It was simple. There wasn't any, you know, there wasn't anything special. Like m my job is the screens and the lights and the sound here, right? And there was none of that. Um, and so I was like, okay, there was simplicity. And two people were excited about what Jesus was doing. And I think a lot of people were coming for the experience of the revival, but they were leaving experiencing Jesus. And that was really cool, but they were still coming excited for what Jesus was doing. And I think we can do simple and we can do excited here, right? And that it's such a simple formula that I think we as a church have just gotten hard to. Um, so I don't know what that means to, to us and what that means going forward as a church and in my own personal life, but I think if we take a step back and we look at simple and excited, like, guys, Jesus is exciting. I think we, 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 we so often come here and we just 
do the church thing. Um, I know a lot of, and the majority of you haven't seen the stuff I'm talking about with your own eyes. You haven't, you haven't, you know, gone there. You haven't set, set in the room. But I think we can go there here. We can get excited about Jesus again. I think, I think that's the biggest thing. I, I, before I left, and this is the last thing, Pastor Ken, I, I promise I'm going to be done. Um, before I left, uh, he knows that's not true. Um, <laughs> before I left, I'm going to cut you off soon, though. I know, I know. This is the last thing I promise, actually. Um, you got to keep it light. Um, before I left, and I was, I, um, I, I, I needed to get back um, for this morning, and so yesterday afternoon, I was, I was heading out and. I'd been in the, the auditorium a little bit in the morning, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk to the end of the line, and I'm going to ask the person at the end of the line why they're there. Just, you know, it's going to be a quick little down to the corner and back. And then I started walking, and then I walked a little further, and then a quarter of a mile went by, and a half of a mile went by, and then the sidewalk ended. And these people who were, my watch told me it was just over a mile and a half of people lined up six wide to see Jesus. And I, and I think that that's, that's kind of this reflection of heaven, right? Like we have these long lines to just get to the throne. Um, and and the, the guy at the end actually didn't even give me a good answer. Um, he's like, I don't know, my youth pastor dragged me along. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, so I'm going to be done now because Pastor Kent's up. He's going to keep talking. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I appreciate you guys all for uh, listening to our, our humble uh, testimonies of what happened there. But. Thank you. I'm just super excited what God is doing in uh, this up-and-coming generation. Um, I, uh, I think back on everything that they've had to go through. Um, this generation was born during 9-11. This generation has had to learn to navigate smartphones and social media as kids and early teens. They lived through incredible cultural shifts just in regards to morality. We're in this time of gender confusion and so many things going on. <clears throat> I think of two, this generation, the year of COVID, many of them were seniors, had so much stolen from them. I'm just beyond thrilled that God is just pouring His Spirit on Gen Z, giving them this desire and this passion for Him. And to see these 18 to 22-year-olds just coming to the point of surrendering everything to Christ. There were some high school students in front of us, and I don't know how far they had driven. They were out of state. I asked them where they spent the night, and they said, in our car. But they said, we have seen God's Spirit move even in our youth group, where we've had 10 people come to Christ. I've just, it's, it, it's incredible what God is doing, and I praise God, and I pray that that happens 
far beyond Asbury University. And one of the things I really want to make sure I'm clear on is that no one has to go to Asbury to experience God. No one has to go there to, to, to experience the Holy Spirit and to come to those points of renewal and revival in your life. That can happen here. It can happen in your daily life. It can happen as you're driving in your car to work. It can ha- happen in your own personal quiet time in the morning when you have your cup of coffee. It can happen as you're laying in bed at night praying and worshiping Him. You don't have to go to Asbury. But I'm so excited what God is doing. And I would just love for us to continue to pray for God's Spirit to move and God's Spirit to stir even here in Northwest Ohio. Again, I really can't think of a greater hope in the darkness than revival. Isn't it? I didn't think of this on my own, but Gina said this, and I've also seen it on social media. She goes, isn't it interesting that at the Grammys, you had, in essence, Satan worship, and you have God outpouring His Spirit in this little town, in this small college, and it's just spreading everywhere. There is hope in the darkness. There is because of God, because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, um, we're doing a a pop-up worship here at PMC. We're not trying to do any copycat revival stuff. This is just what we're sensing we should do. Uh, We'll meet here tonight, 6.30, in the sanctuary. We really don't know what we're doing. Um, It's really kind of unplanned. We'll gather. We'll worship. We'll read the Word. We'll pray. It may last an hour, and we all sense that it's done, and we'll go home. Maybe it'll last an hour and a half. I don't know. We'll leave all of that up to the Lord. But if you have a hunger in your heart for God, if you want renewal and revival in your spirit, ask Him, seek Him, have that posture of humility, cry out to Him, and God promises to renew our spirit and to restore to us the joy of our salvation. Would you stand as I pray for us? Spirit of God, thank You for Your presence here this morning. Thank You for testimonies, testimonies of honesty, vulnerability, transparency, humility, praise, thanksgiving to You, God, for what You are doing. And we ask and pray, Holy Spirit, for you to do that work of revival here in Northwest Ohio and beyond. Ignite the flame within your bride. 
Give us a, a passion for you like we've never had before. Help us to allow you to reveal those, those hidden corners of our heart where we've still held on to those small idols. Give us a willingness to confess and repent and fall on our faces before you, God. And we thank you, Jesus, that you extend great grace, incredible mercy, and you pick us up and you renew us and you revive us. We thank you. I pray, Holy Spirit, your blessing on each one who is here today. I ask this in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you, church, for gathering. Know that God is good, and I love you all. Also, Travis, can you turn me on? Okay, just quickly, uh, we do need to kind of do a different setup tonight. It's not going to be like a one-voice setup, so we're going to do some different things with the chairs. See Tim Kloffenstein for direction on how we want to do chair setup for tonight. Thank you. Be blessed. Amen. Yeah,